So, uh, we are ending a series today talking about small things. And what we've been talking about over the last few weeks is the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. And so two weeks ago, we talked about our thought life, right? We talked about our thought life, and we talked about how um, uh, so many things um, happen in our thoughts and how our thoughts control our actions and, and, and all of those things. And then last Sunday, the message that everybody um, really enjoyed because it was, it hit, I think, really close to home for a lot of us was on our words, right? Out of the same mouth um, brings life, out of the same mouth brings death. And so the power of the tongue, this little member of our body that has so much power over us. And today, I want to talk about another small thing. But before I do, before I kind of introduce that, um, I had an experience this past weekend, and kind of goes along with wrapping up something that we talked about last Sunday, um, where small things make a big difference. And, and, um, and, and Kristen and I, my wife and I, we got to experience how small things make a big difference. Um, Phil Waldrop Ministries, I'm not sure if anybody's ever heard of Phil Waldrop Ministries, but Phil Waldrop actually preached here three years ago to the day. It was the first Sunday that South Coast um, uh, w- went to two services, and he came and he preached here. But Phil Waldrop travels all around the country. He leads a ministry, and I, and I can't say this without including my southern draw, okay? You guys know, most of you know I was born and raised in North Carolina, and so saying this, I have to kind of bring in my southern draw, okay? But their ministry is based out of Decatur, Alabama, okay? And so Decatur, I can't, I can't say that without going south, okay? I just got to, anyway, anyway. So their ministry is based out of there, and they travel all around. They do Women of Joy conferences. They do Celebrators conferences. Some of you may have heard of those, some of those things. But as part of those conferences, they raise money all year long to do two, not one, but two now, pastor's encouragement retreats in New England. This was Kristen and I's eighth retreat. Last Sunday I shared a story about the pastor out in South, Southern California and how that had kind of um, been, been wrecking me and really been bugging me and bothering me and, and, and all of that just as a brother in Christ and, and um, losing his battle there. Um, and after the service, I had two people run into my office. I had two people run into my office and say, Pastor, I just got to know. I just got to know before I leave here. Um, do you have something that fills you? Do you have people that fill you? Do you have people that you can call? Do you have a pastor? And I said, yes. I said, yes. And they were comforted. And so they, you know, they left because I do. I have some great people in my life that I can call, um, that text me out of the blue, um, that can ask me any question um, that, that they want to, that they need to. And, um, and, and so uh, it's a real blessing. It's a real blessing. Most of them don't live in the state of Maine, um, uh, but, uh, but it's a real blessing. And um, Right, and so uh, this weekend um, on Thursday was that pastor's encouragement retreat in Whitefield, New Hampshire. Now, most of you have probably never heard of Whitefield, New Hampshire. Um, it's a... It's a it's a terrible drive from here to there. You really don't get to see any scenery of the mountains in New Hampshire as you drive through the state park and all of that on the backside of Mount Washington. So it's a real struggle, and, and we suffered for Jesus um, and went. <laughs> and um, but what's beautiful about it? I mean, and and, and I'm, just, I'm saying this. I'm saying this for a couple reasons. Okay, number one, I want you to know that. Uh, um,
um, that we're covered in at least one way. And number two is small things. It's small things. And um, so on Thursday morning, we threw our kids on the bus, and Kristen and I uh, drove over to New Hampshire, and for less than 48 hours, I mean, it was not 48 hours, we rested. We didn't do anything. I mean, some of you guys, when you go on trips like that, you fantasize about certain things, like maybe playing golf or maybe, you know, eating at a seafood buffet or whatever. You, you, you want to know how sick I am? Okay, here's, here, here's my fantasy when I go away to a retreat like this or when we go on vacation and we get to go to a church that's not our home. I love sitting next to my wife with an open notebook and taking notes, listening to someone else preach that to me is like one of the most intimate things on the planet right I know I'm sick I won't judge you you don't judge me okay um and so um and so I got to do that like four or five messages this weekend sit next to my wife take notes took like five pages of notes on different messages that we heard on shame and just different things it was just a real real blessing Saturday morning they go all the pastors there, and it's not like 20 pastors. There's probably a bunch of pastors there and their wives. I'm horrible at numbers. Um, I'm a pastor. And, um, and, and, and they gave us all. They, the, the theme was how beautiful are the feet of those, right? How beautiful are the feet. They gave every pastor and his wife a pair of L.O. Bean boots, brand new. They dug deep and found all of our sizes and stuff like that, and, and you walked out at the last service, and they all had brand new bean boots, so anyway, it was almost cold enough for me to wear mine this morning, but <laughs> I didn't, I, I'm rebelling against the weather, but it was just a real blessing, and so I just, I wanted you to know that for, you know, um, we were really blessed, but also, it's the small things, it's the small things, the small things that those guys think about for pastors in New England, we heard from two different speakers uh, Thursday night and Saturday morning, um, and, and it's kind of scary because it's the same thing I said when I was a youth pastor down in North Carolina to a couple pastors in Maine that eventually is what God used to bring me here. But we heard Friday night, I mean Thursday night and Friday morning from two separate pastors that were both serving in Alabama that were heroes to them, that were on the front lines, that were not trying to build a big church with a bunch of people we're just trying to be faithful to God's call. And it's crazy because that was exactly what I said on, in Orlando, Florida to uh, Scott Tauby and Scott Linscott, who are pastors right around us. And nine months later, God called me to pastor this church. And uh, so I told them that. I said, I bet you both of you guys will be here within the year. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I don't think they will, um, in all seriousness. But it was just a huge blessing because it reminded me of my call. It reminded me of why God brought me here. And uh, so, man, we're full. We're pumped. I told the worship team this morning as we were praying, I'm probably more ready to preach today than I have been in a long, long time. And so I preached in the first service, and now I'm ready to go home and watch the Patriots game. But um, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll do this one too. But... Uh, it was a blessing. So I just wanted to report back to you that that's where we were. We were blessed. We were filled. And uh, came home uh, yesterday ready to, uh, as they put it, charge hell with a water pistol. And so we're pumped. Glad to be here. Let me pray for us, and we're going to dive into our message this morning. 
closing out our series on small things. Father God, thank you. Thank you for that ministry. Thank you for just the work that they do all around the world. And I pray um, that uh, you receive the glory for that. God, I pray over our message time this, in, in the next few moments, God, that as we open your word, God, that you'd speak to our hearts exactly what you want to say to us this morning. Give us ears to hear what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. And so we've talked about our thoughts, we've talked about our words, and today we're going to talk about habits. And the one word that we've kind of, the one word that we've kind of left out um, over the last couple of weeks that I think comes in big time today when we talk about habits is this word. Now don't tune, don't tune out, don't tune out, okay? But this word, discipline. Okay, this word, discipline. When it comes to habits, we all need discipline. And if you're taking notes, write this down. We are, everybody say we are. We are what we repeatedly do. Now you don't have to say that part, but we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. I remember when I started out playing basketball, when I started out playing basketball in 10th grade, a 10th grader in high school, my dad would have me go and shoot a thousand free throws a day. Now, I can think of a lot better things as a sophomore in high school than to take about an hour to two hours and shoot a thousand free throws every day. But he talked about this thing called muscle memory which when he would go into his whole lecture almost every day about muscle memory and the reason you're shooting a thousand free throws is so that you can remind yourself, elbow pointed to the basket, finish, reach into that cookie jar, right? All those things, right? You know, some of you got that. Some of you are like, never played basketball before in your life and that's okay, right? But when he would go into that, I would just tune him out and be like, wah. he would sound like the Charlie Brown, right? Wah, 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 wah. Anyway, but but mu the, the muscle memory, right? Because we are what we repeatedly do. And so it's training your arm to go through a motion that you go through and that you just do. And so it's, it's you know, anyway. Um, but, but we are what we repeatedly do. Some of us in this room, if I asked you, hey, are you hi a highly disciplined person? Right? Would you consider yourself a highly disciplined person? No. Well, if you're sitting here this morning, you would say No. I'm not a highly disciplined person. Maybe you're sitting here this morning. Yes, I'm very, very disciplined. I would ask you and, and, and kind of probably disagree with you because the reality is that that's not true. That's not a thing, that we're not so disciplined because all of us do what's important to us. All of us are disciplined to do what's important to us. Let me prove it to you. Some of you may say I'm not a very disciplined person, but you know exactly, you know exactly the time of everything that you need to do when you leave this church and get in front of your TV for a one o'clock kickoff. You know exactly what you're going to eat. You know exactly where your food's going to come from, how you're going to get it, you know, all of those things. And you've got it planned out because you're disciplined for what's important to you. Some of you guys are like, wait, football starts today? you're better off. Some of us, right, some of us, are com some of us complain about things that we're not disciplined about, but yet we don't do anything about it, right? We complain that, oh man, this summer we've just gotten out of shape, we've eaten too much, and yet tonight we're going to meet those friends for papas at about 7.30. Some of us would say we're not very disciplined, but we're disciplined to sleep in. We're disciplined to play video games. And this is my favorite one. Because, you know, it's, it's so true. We do what's important to us. We're disciplined to never miss a meal. We do what's important to us. 
We do what's important to us. I was looking for a definition when it comes to discipline this past week, and I think I found the, the, the best one that I found, especially for where we're going today, is this. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want the most. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want the most. Um, Romans chapter 7 is where we're going to start this morning. If you want to turn there, you can. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it this morning from the New Living Translation. I typically preach from the ESV, and don't worry if you're, if you're panicking right now or trying to find the New Living on your phone. We're going to come back to the ESV. It's all going to be okay. All right, It's all going to be okay. We're going to come back there in just a little bit. But I normally teach from the English Standard Version, but the New Living Translation, I thought, put Romans 7 really well for this morning. Romans 7, we're going to start in verse 15. We're going to kind of skip around a little bit and get all the way through verse 25. But Paul says to the church at Rome, he says, I don't really understand myself. I love Paul's writing. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is a sin. It is sin living in me that does it. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Are you encouraged yet? Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 25, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Does anybody remember... Um, the story of Columbine. You might remember the story of Columbine, the school shooting that happened near Denver, Colorado. I, I remember that, that that shook me as a teenager um, growing up, and and, uh, and and I was at a, at a Christian concert one time with a band that um, was from, that was based out of, of Colorado. In fact, in fact, one of the band members' sister was one of the ones locked in the choir room at Columbine High School during the shooting. And so they were very, it, this hit very close to home for them um, as, a, as a band. And so as they were touring around the summer after Columbine, they would share this story about how people in their town, people in their town were trying to fix the problem. They were trying to solve the problem of why Columbine happened, why someone would go into a school and, 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 and you know, and, and shoot the place up. Why in the world would that happen? And they, you know, tried to do the obvious things, right? Video games, TV, violence, movies, all, all these different things that teenagers were in, involved in. And the lead singer said this, and, and, and I love this response. He said, the reality is that it's none of those things. The reality is that this world is dark. And without God, people do things like that. And that has stuck with me for years, probably at least 20 years now. It's been, I, I, don't, I don't remember when Columbine happened, but it's probably been right about 20 years since, that, that, since that's happened. And that statement has stuck with me because not that we are just trying to explain away specific behaviors, but yet sometimes I think we overthink and try to overcomplicate things when it comes to some of that, when the reality is that this world is dark. We are born in with a sin nature. And without God, people do things like that. 
And Paul is talking about it. Without Christ in me, I'm a miserable person. Some of you guys know miserable people, don't you? Some of you guys might be sitting next to a miserable person. Watch the elbows, okay? Watch the elbows. Not what this is about. Some of you guys are trying really, really hard not to elbow. Some of you guys know what this looks like. You know exactly what Paul's talking about. I don't really understand myself. Many of us have probably been in that place. I don't really know who I am. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I do all these things that don't even make sense to me. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer is in Jesus. The answer is in Jesus. Who can deliver me from my shame, from my pain, from the private sin that I'm battling within me? Jesus. With Christ help we can change one more thing that i wanted to just point out that i wanted to say before we dive into our main text for the morning is this if you're taking notes write this down the jesus in me the jesus in me is stronger than the appetites in me the jesus in me is stronger than any of the appetites in me The Jesus in me is stronger than anything that tempts me, than anything that comes my way. The Jesus in me is stronger. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That's where we're going to camp out for the rest of our time this morning. And I want to talk about training to win what matters most. Training to win what matters most. And I'm gonna, uh, we're, we're going to use a passage that Paul writes where he talks about running a race. And so we're going we're gonna to talk this morning about running a race. But let me just kind of put you at ease before we even read this, okay? We're not going to finish the service and go out and run a 5K. Okay? That's not the goal. Okay? For some of us in this room, you know, we, we like to be healthy. We like to get healthy. We like to do all that. I recognize that's not for everyone. And some of you only run when you're chased. And even at that, you don't always run then, okay? And so I recognize, I recognize that this is going to be kind of a, a, a different message, and maybe you know, you're going to struggle to get the context of some of it here, but I think Paul uses a great illustration, a great context, to, to demonstrate the point of developing habits that can change your life. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Run that you may obtain the prize. I think this verse needs to be sent to every rec department in the United States of America. Did you guys get that? Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? Did you catch that? We're not all winners. Okay, I'm just making sure. I I thought that would be a little bit more funny. So run that you may obtain it. Some of you guys are like, yeah, exactly. I've been saying that for years. Every athlete, verse 25, exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable, 
So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be, quali- should be disqualified. And so Paul's talking to the church at Corinth here. There are these games that are going on, the Isthmian Ith- games, and there's a big race that's a part of it, and there's, there's patriotic pride, and instead of a gold, silver, bronze medal, they have this, they have this, this wreath this wreath of leaves that they place on the head of the winner, right? And so everybody's competing. Everybody's competing for this wreath of, of green leaves that's, that, 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 that the winner receives. And Paul talks about three things here in these verses. Number one, you've got to run to win. If you're going to run the race, run to win. Run to win. And he even says uh, later in Scripture, he says, let us strip off everything that hinders us from running our race. Everything that hinders us from running our race. We have to find our motivation for running our race. I was talking with Micah recently because we just signed them up for this program at their school called Girls on the Run. And so they're going to be running a 5K sometime, I think, in November. And, 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 uh, and, and she, you know, was, was talking about it. She's kind, of getting, she's kind of psyching herself up for it. She's kind of like me. You know, she likes to, she likes to, to, to do those things and, and get psyched up for, for different competitions. And, uh, and um, so we were talking recently, and, and, and I took the opportunity. Because here's how awesome of a dad I am. Okay? I took the opportunity as a good parenting moment Right to 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 turn this spiritual, okay? I said, Micah, did you know that we're all signed up for a race? She's like, what? I was like, yeah. I said, every person that's breathing on this earth is running a race. They've been signed up for a race. She's like, how long's the race? <laughs> I said, Micah, it's for as long as you live. And her eyes got huge. She's like. As long as I live, I'm running a race. Who in the world signed me up for this? And I looked at her and I said, God did when He created you. And she's like, I don't know if I like that. And so my opportunity to kind of turn a conversation spiritual completely backfired. She's like, I got to think about this for a little bit. I got to go kind of, kind of process what you're saying here, Daddy. And I thought, man... I failed that one. Um, But we all have a race. We're all running a race. And Paul says if we're running a race, let us run to win. Let us strap it on. Let us us prepare ourselves. Let us run in in a way that we would win, that we would obtain the prize. We're all running a race. What's your motivation for running the race? Running to win? Number two, self-control. Paul talks about it a couple of times here in these few short verses. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. In all things. He says there at the end of verse, excuse me, in verse 27, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. He talks about self-control. All athletes are super disciplined when it comes to their training. When it comes to their training, they have strict diets. They do things in in extreme cold and extreme heat. You know, all these athletes. I, I was as I was preparing for this, I was thinking back to um, some of the documentaries I would watch around Michael Phelps when he was preparing to train for when he was training for the Olympics and winning all those medals. And I thought, you know, if you do some research there, when Michael Phelps was training, 
he got to eat like 6,700 calories a day. I'm going to sign up for the Olympics. <laughs> I mean, I can do that. Like, I can, I, can, I can handle that piece of it, you know? But they have strict, all these strict diets and all these strict workout routines and all these, you know, doing this and doing that, and they're in the pool like nonstop. And, you know, I thought of that race, and I don't remember which Olympics it was, but he was doing the butterfly. He was doing the butterfly, and he just touched out the guy in the lane next to him, and I thought that was probably 100 calories right there. I mean, just giving him the fuel to just, just barely, less than a second, I think it was like a tenth of a second, that he beat the person right next to him. And I just thought, what if he'd have taken a day off? I wonder if he'd have done that. Like just the smallest thing that made the biggest difference. What if he'd eaten a Snickers? You know, like, I mean, I just, I just think, like, what, what the perfection that he did, the discipline, the self-control to train himself, to prepare himself for that race. What are we doing to prepare for our race? How are we exercising self-control when it comes to our race? What are some of the habits that we're forming when it comes to our race? What's the fruit that we're producing in training for our race? Every athlete practices self-control. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. So run to win, Paul talks about. Exercise self-control. And then number three, do it on purpose. Do it on purpose. He says there in verse 26, he says, I, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Right? He says there at the end of verse 25, he says, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. Right? And so he, he's talking about here, he's like on purpose, right? Their race is to win, but our race is for eternity. Our race is that we would receive an imperishable gift, the gift of eternity. Right? The hope that we have there. And so, on purpose, to receive a prize that we may obtain it. Run to win, self-control on purpose. So here, a couple questions. Two weeks ago I said, what's the, what's, 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 what's the one thought? What's the one thought that you just need to leave with and meditate on? Last week I said, what's the, what's the one phrase or what's the one word that you need to think about? Patience or, or love? What was, the, what was the value that you needed to keep in front of you with your words that would affect the way that you talk? Two questions for you this morning. What is the thing that you want the most? I want to ask it in two ways. Number one, what is the thing that you want the most? Number two, what is the thing that God wants most for you? What is the thing that you want the most? What is the thing that God wants most for you? I mean, you may be sitting here, you may be thinking about your marriage future, you know, and, and all of those things. You may be sitting here, and, and, and I'm not saying anything. These are just some things that I thought of this past week. You may be sitting here, you may say, you know what, I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to quit doing this. I want to get promoted. I want to get close to God again. I want my cholesterol to go down. I want to be free from pornography or free from uh, this or that. I want to get out of debt. I want to be free from debt. What is the thing that you want the most? What do you think is the thing that God wants most for you? And if you're really on the right track this morning, chances are those match. 
Chances are the thing that you want most is the thing that God wants most for you. And, and, he, and here's the deal. I don't want you to overwhelm yourself. I don't want you to leave here discouraged like Paul in, in the book of Romans chapter 7. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Because remember, it's only with Christ's strength that we can overcome these things. And if you're sitting here this morning and you say, man, that whole list. I want that whole list. Well, that's where you sit and say, okay, God, where do you want to chisel first? What do you want to deal with first? God, what do you want most from me? So as you're sitting there, you, chances are you've probably thought of something. What do you want most? What does God want most for you? Second question, what is the one discipline, what is the one discipline that we need to implement into our lives now to have what we want the most or to have what God wants the most for us? So when you think about it, think about it this way. I had somebody help me out with this this morning. I was going to use a dartboard, but then he went over to Walmart and got this. Ignore the animals, okay? There's only one side of this thing that doesn't have animals, and, and I don't want to get any emails saying I don't like animals, okay? Because that's not true, okay? This is the thing that God wants most for us. That's your target, right? This is the thing that God wants most for us, right? And then the arrows, the arrows, don't, don't throw them. Um, the, the arrows, right? These are the things that we need to implement into our lives right now to hit the target. And so if you sat there a, a, a few moments ago and said, you know what? I want to get out of my debt. That's my target. I want to get out of my debt. And you signed up for a credit card yesterday. You're going to miss your target. Right? You're going to miss your target. What would be a good arrow to hit that target? Financial peace. Right? Some of you guys just rolled your eyes and you're like, oh, if I have to hear one more thing about financial peace. I know, but when Kristen and I did it, it worked so well. It's like crazy how that happens. If you're sitting here this morning, you say, you know what, I want to lose, I, I want to lose some weight. I want to get healthy. I want to do that. And that's your target. I probably shouldn't see you at Papa's tonight at 7.30. Right? I'm just, I'm, I don't think I'm going, I mean, I might, but I don't want to mislead anybody and them actually show up and say, you weren't at Papa's. I'm not sure. We might. It's kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing, okay? But, but you get the point, right? That wouldn't be an arrow for me. Maybe joining a gym, maybe doing this, maybe doing that, getting with some people and trying to go walk or run a 5K or do something like that. Um, I'm lonely. Target, right? I want to get in community. I want to plug in. I want to be, you know, right? Then an arrow wouldn't be um, isolation, right? An arrow would be maybe I should join a small group today. I really want to plug into a church, but I don't really know how to find out more about it. Get in a circle. If you can't find out enough about your church that you're coming to, if you just think you can show up on Sunday mornings and make it, you're going to miss out on a lot. We're going to miss out on a lot with you. Bless us by coming to a small group and getting to know you, and doing life with you a little bit, right? So that would be an arrow, small group. Maybe coming more often on a Sunday morning. The average, I think I was talking about this last week because it just blows my mind how our expectations of things, right? The average attendance for a family um, in church now is, is 50%. And we think we can grow in Christ and grow in relationship half time. You wouldn't look at your kids and say, hey, I will be your dad half time. And think that that would be a very intimate relationship, right? I'll be your husband half time. I was playing, fan, I 
played Family Feud. It was part of this, this retreat, right? I played Family Feud. And so Kristen wanted me to pre- be prepared. Because I, a couple of reasons. I was representing the state of Maine. And she didn't want to be embarrassed. Um, <laughs> so on Friday afternoon, we were playing State Feud Friday night. Pastor Ian did it, did it as well. He, he, he was a hero on our team, but that's a whole other illustration. Um, but Friday afternoon, Kristen was quizzing us, right? She was quizzing us with, with things, um, with, 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 with questions. And one of the questions, um, one, one of the questions was, uh, um, uh, if, if, uh, what are, if you're a guy, if you're a husband and you just got married, what's one thing you don't bring on the honeymoon, right? And the number two answer was your parents. <laughs> I would have never said that because, duh, right? The number one answer was an ex-girlfriend. Again, duh, right? I can rely on 50% of church attendance for spiritual growth and community building. Duh, like, no, that's not, that's... Sorry, I digress. Want a better marriage? We'll just go with that one, right? If that's your target, I want, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better husband. Maybe your arrow ought to be implement a, a date night. A date night. Man, Kristen and I implemented a date night like five years ago. It, it changed things for us. Now we look forward to date night. Here, here's the misconception with date night. I know, I know it sounds, I know this sounds a lot less like a sermon right now, right now, but I pray this is helpful. I just really feel like God would have us say some things today. Here's the thing about a date night. You don't have to spend 250 bucks every date night and get all, you know, dressed up and all that stuff and this intimidating that I'm doing, that I'm waving. <laughs> you don't have to do that, right? Throw some sweatpants on and just go grocery shopping. Right? I mean, just do that. Like, can you imagine what a gift it is to my wife to take her grocery shopping without any children when we've got four in the house? That's a win. We walk into, up and down every aisle. There's no aisles we have to avoid because kids are going to try to sneak cookies in the cart or something like that. Or me. <laughs> See, guys, it's normal. You're not alone. But maybe if that's your target, maybe that's an arrow. If your target is to be more of a family man, more of a family woman, your, your arrow wouldn't be working 60, 70 hours a week. Right? You guys pick that. You guys get that. And with Christ's help, we can do that. So, I just want to share six quick things in closing, and we're going to share in communion together. Okay? Don't, don't check out. Real, real quick. Number one. How do we practically do this? How do we practically do this? Number one, you've got to set your target. You've got to set your target. What is that one thing, right? And we've already talked about it. What is that one thing that you want the most? What is that one thing that God wants the most for you? You've got to set your target. You've got to set your target. Your one target. What is that one target that you need to set today? Be a nicer person. Not forget... Pastor Appreciation Month next month, whatever that target might be, for you, you got to set your target. Number two, you got to be intentional. 
You've got to be intentional. One of, the, one of my targets lately, one of my targets lately, and, and uh, it has been this, to Sabbath. To learn Sabbath. To learn the art of Sabbathing. And to, to take a Sabbath. Actually, take a Sabbath. And so one of my targets has been Sabbathing. So I've been researching Sabbath, and I've been, I've been reading about how other people Sabbath and do that and, and all of that. And one of the things that I've read, I think I've shared it from this pulpit before, no one has ever accidentally Sabbathed. No one ever got to the end of a day and said, oh man, I think I Sabbath today. That's awesome, right? It's intentional. It's intentional. One of my targets, and, and I don't talk about this a lot. I don't talk about this a lot. It's really important to me. It's really close to me. But I don't talk about this a lot, so you can't just kind of unroll your eyes, okay? But one of my targets is to be healthy. Why? Because I've got four kids that I want to throw around for a really, really long time. I want to catch baseball, softball, grandkids. Herb just said he had like his 80th great-grandchild this week. <laughs> 18th and 19th or 17th and 18th? 17th and 18th in the last week. That's awesome. I exaggerated a little, just a hair. I want to be able to do that for a long time. I want to, you know what else? I want to be able to do this for a long time. I want to preach for a really, really long time. That's the target for me, is I want to be around for my kids. I want to be around for my grandkids in a way that other people very close to me aren't. So I go to the gym every morning at 5 a.m. It's a target for me. It's a target. Now, now, don't hear me say that God is calling you to the gym at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. I'm not saying that. I'm saying for me, it's a conviction and it's a target. So you know what one of my arrows is that's super intentional? It's super intentional. I lay out my clothes the night before. Because at 4.30 when my alarm goes off, if I'm going all around in my bedroom and digging around for clothes, it's going to be a bad day for me and everyone else in my house. And so I, my alarm goes off. I get up real quickly because guess what? I remember my target. I'm intentional. I go and the entire time, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this, man. It's like, it's, I, I'm not exaggerating. And some of you have knitting. Some of you have making fudge. Like, that's way better. Like, I wish I was good at something like that so that that could be a target for me. But this is my, my target right now in this season of my life where I have just a deep burden and conviction to be the best that I can be. And so it's worship for me at 5 a.m. when I show up at the gym and I work out for an hour and I think about Ezra's face and I think about Bria's face and I think about Kristen's face and I think about Micah's face and I think about Vera's face and I think about one day in like 90 years when they're going to have kids and I'll have grandkids. And it's an arrow. It's an arrow for me. And I'm super intentional about protecting that and making that happen in my life. It hasn't always been that way. That hasn't always been a target for me. It hasn't always been an arrow of mine. But it is right now, and you have to be intentional about it. Set your target. Be intentional. Number three, follow through. Set your strategy. What are you going to think about when, you, when your alarm goes off and you say, I'll just spend time with God tonight. What are you going to think about? What's your strategy? You've got to follow through. You've got to follow through. You've got to follow through. Number four, embrace the process. Embrace the process. Turn it into a get-to, right? Embrace the 
process. Number five, you got to finish. You got to finish. I was um, a couple weeks ago. I had some real dear friends up from North Carolina. Most of you got to meet uh, Justin in a wheelchair and his mom. They were here at the second service a few weeks ago because Justin's dad was running the half Ironman down in Old Orchard Beach. And so we finished up church that day, and we went down to watch him finish, and we got there about 10 minutes before he crossed the finish line. And it was fascinating. Watch these people that had just swam for over a mile, biked for 56 miles, and run 13 miles finish and cross the finish line. It was fascinating. I'll never forget watching Doc cross that finish line. But I will also never forget the conversation I heard across the the. the lane right where these guys were coming in and finishing and we were standing on this side and then right where like Shannon's sitting on the second row was was the other side so runners are running right here and I'm listening to a conversation over there and this guy was super frustrated he was very upset he was all disappointed because his bike broke at mile like 42 of a 56 mile bike ride and he couldn't finish the race he had trained he had prepared he had paid a whole lot of money and couldn't, and couldn't finish the race. We've got to finish the race. I've just finished a great book by John Acuff all about finishing, being a good finisher, finishing what we start. A lot of us are great starters. A lot of us are horrible finishers. Set your target. Follow through all those things. Finish. And lastly, lastly, give God praise. When Doc crossed the finish line, after running this race for a lot of hours, we, we went over and there was a barricade and he was kind of leaning on it. I looked down and I said, man, how do you feel? He said, I feel just right. He didn't look just right. <laughs> he didn't look just right. He looked like he needed to be horizontal instead of vertical. But he said, I'm amazed that God has given me the strength to do the things He's given me to do. And I know what He means by that. It's a bigger statement than running a race. He's a doctor. He's an amazing husband. He's an amazing father, especially to his son that has a disability that's going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Amazing, amazing man. And he looks at me and he says, it's amazing what God gives me the strength to do. You're capable of so much more. What is the one thing that God wants for your life? 